0: Well, Good morning again. Glad you are with us. If you're online, welcome. So glad you are here as well. If you're in 101, 102 this morning, hope you're doing well over there as well. We are in a series called New, and we're walking through the gospel of Mark, and we're asking this really, really important question, who is Jesus? And the way we're answering that, we're allowing Mark through his gospel, to place different people on the witness stand to give testimony about this person called Jesus. Really asking the question, who is Jesus? Of these people who have been touched with him. And here's the thing, the people that are answering these questions are not people that knew secondhand, who knew a person, who knew a person, who knew a person. These are people who literally walked with and interacted with Jesus on a daily basis, they were having conversations and they were getting to see all the things that we, he was doing. And especially his disciples that were spending basically every moment of every day with him. And what we said through this series, we asked this question. This is the most important question we could possibly ask. And it demands that we answer. Because of who Jesus claims to be. And because of who Mark claims Jesus is in the beginning, saying that this is Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, because he makes that claim, you are forced to answer this question for yourself. And as we said through this whole series, you can answer that question any way you want. You have complete freedom, just as everyone did in these stories, to say that I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. Or to say... I don't really care who he claims to be. I want nothing to do with this Jesus thing. Or to say Mark is completely lost and he has no idea what he's talking about. You have the freedom to answer that. But because of who Jesus claims to be, you have to answer this question. Who is Jesus. And so we've seen people week after week that he's placed on this hand. Even Jesus himself. And story after story of people being healed, and people being helped, and people being ministered to. And yet even people who see all that's happening, who are saying, you know what? I don't really believe this guy is from God. I don't believe he is who he claims to be. And this part, as we get to this, begins kind of a new section in Mark's gospel where there are four stories that happen back to back to back. There is this storm that Jesus calms. There's a demon-possessed man. There's a dead girl and a sick woman. And these kind of comprise another section. And then on the other side of that section is another opportunity where people are questioning Jesus' identity. They're questioning who he is. And each one of these stories have three themes that kind of run throughout. This thread that ties them all together. Faith and fear, moments of desperation, and being confronted with death. Every one of these four stories has these threads that kind of run through the seams, tying them all together. And if you'll remember last week, Jesus talked about these parables, these farming parables with seeds. And he was doing so from a boat because the crowds were so large that he's in this boat. He's pushed back from shore. He's speaking to this great crowd. And he finishes these stories. These stories he basically says, if you have ears to hear, then you can hear. And he looks to his disciples, he turns to his disciples, let's say, let's go to the other side of the lake. And you have to understand that as Jesus tells these stories, they're happening on two separate levels. There is the face value that these stories are happening at, but then there is a level underneath the surface that you have to see to understand the answer to that question, who is Jesus? Such an important question. So the first story Is in chapter 4, starting in verse 35. That day, when evening came, Jesus had been teaching in the boat, remember? He said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up. Furious squall. I love That word, that phrase, furious squall, came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So they're in this boat. And you remember, these are fishermen. They're used to being on the water. They're used to being at sea. And this storm comes up. But the way Mark describes it, this furious squall comes up. And I think it's Mark's way of saying they were completely, utterly out of control. Right? We all live with this sense that we have control. We, we all think we have control. In, in fact, if you go back a year ago today, we all thought we had a lot of control. Right? We all thought we had a lot of control, but there was this complete lack of control. And then this pandemic hits, and, and we have people walking around in masks. Go to the next, there we go. <laughs> it's for your own good. You have to stop touching your face. The, this is crazy. So one of the very first, first times we did virtual-only worship, there were nine people in the auditorium. And evidently, I have a problem with touching my face. I did not know that. But people on Facebook Live are saying, stop touching your face. Stop touching your face. <laughs> yeah, so, so this pandemic hits, and it's crazy. And then everything we have moves to this virtual world where everything we're doing is on Zoom. Right? Anyone with Zoom? The, this was a court Paul, hearing. I believe you have a and this is a lawyer. Turned on in the video settings you might want to uh, <laughs> uh who uh, couldn't uh, figure uh, out how to get the filter turned off i can hear you and the I best line turn it up real quick it, the- it is and i don't know how to remove it i've got my assistant here she's trying to but uh i'm prepared to go forward with it That's, i'm here live it's not i'm not a cat <laughs> <laughs> If you couldn't hear, he goes, I'm here live. I'm not a cat. Right? So, so everything we have moves virtual, and we're online for everything. And then if that wasn't enough, the last year introduced to us these murder hornets. Thankfully, we never saw them here. And then to make it all even better, last week happens. And this lady... I think in Dallas, did not know that her car was under a waterline break, and she didn't realize it until she saw this picture going viral on social media and said, that's my car. (laughs) Just crazy. And then, bad news, bad news, it's fixing to get worse, because now we have lizard warnings. Yeah. I mean, and so there's part of the last year that's been so crazy that you have to just laugh at, right? Because it's been so hard and so difficult in a lot of ways. At some level, you just laugh at all that's happened. And so here, in the boat, in the storm, these disciples have lost all control, right? Right? And I think there's this sense in the last year that we realize just how little control we really have. Like, we think we're in control. We think we're no, we know what we're doing tomorrow. We thought we knew what we were doing last week, too. Right? We have so little control. And here on the seat, you have to understand this is a Jewish audience. And their perception of the sea is the abyss. This is the place where monsters come from. Right? You go back to Daniel. You go forward even to Revelation. The sea is the place where evil is. It's where evil comes from, these monsters that come from the sea. And you have this storm raging outside in the boat. As the disciples try and fear for their lives and we ask the question okay where is Jesus Jesus is asleep Jesus is in the stern asleep and it says a cushion what it really was was a bag that was used to weight down the ship a big sandbag that Jesus is asleep on and the disciples asked this question don't you care Lord, don't you care that we're afraid? Don't you care that we're fixing to drown? Don't you care that we might not make it to the other side? That's their question for Jesus. And if you read the story just at face value, it's easy to say, well, the point of the story then is just you ask Jesus, and he immediately jumps in and saves the day. That's not Mark's point. And in fact, it's really bad theology as well. But the point of Mark's story is not that Jesus is going to jump in and save the day whenever you ask. That was not Mark's intention. We'll get to Mark's intention in a few moments, but it's not that you shouldn't be afraid Jesus will save the day. Like it would make a great t shirt or a great bumper sticker. That's not Mark's point. And like I said, it's really bad theology. And one of the things I've noticed as I read these stories is I tend to be so harsh towards the disciples. You read the story and you imagine these are the people that walked with Jesus every single day. And they've seen him do miracle after miracle after miracle. And you read these stories and you sit here and think, well, how in the world could they be? How could they doubt? Here's Jesus. But the problem is not their faith. The problem is their perspective. And perspective matters. Perspective makes a huge difference on the way that you see things. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the boat, as you're afraid for your life, perspective matters. We have the luxury of having God's word that tells not just this story, but all the other stories that follow including Jesus' death and resurrection. And we have the luxury of looking back and thinking, well, how could you doubt? But the problem is we're not living in that storm. We didn't go through that with them. Your perspective matters. It makes a difference And a different perspective, as much as we want to say, why don't they just have faith, a different perspective in that moment is an impossibility because perspective is based off your location in proximity to the object and focus. Let me show you what that means. Go to this next one. You have a guy standing on the island yelling, boat, and you have a guy in the boat saying, land, Right? Your perspective makes a huge difference in how you see things. Because for us, we're we're standing on solid ground, right? We, We know how the story ends. And it's easy for us to look back. But here's the thing. Every single one of us have been through storms. You've been through storms where you questioned And where you ask the question, God, where are you? Where you've asked the question, Jesus, don't you care if we've drowned? Maybe it was the loss of a child or a loved one who received a horrific diagnosis. Maybe it was your kid's decisions that led them down some paths that terrified you. But but here's what I know about you, because this is true about me and it's true about you, is every single one of us have been through those storms. You've been through those difficult times. And in those moments, we're a lot more like the disciples than we are right now looking back. Because our perspective was different. We were in the middle of the storm, and we were looking around, questioning God, where are you? Are you going to save the day? And we know he will. Here's the thing. We know he will. We just don't know how he will. And the chances are, it's not going to be the way that you imagined him doing. It's not going to look like you thought it would. But he will show up. You see, the boys in the boat are in the boat because Jesus is in the boat. The only reason they're there is because Jesus said, hey, let's go. Let's go for a little ride. Let's go across the other side of the lake. The only reason they're in this mess is because Jesus is in this mess. The only reason they're going to the other side is because Jesus is going to the other. They're following Jesus with everything they have, and it leads them into some really difficult situations. And in the midst of the moment, when everything is caving in around them, they don't stop and say, you know what? Hey, Peter, I know you're really afraid right now, but do you remember the other night, Jesus was talking about faith, and he said, da 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 They don't do it. And here's the thing. In that moment, you probably won't either. And that's okay. That's okay. But I think what Mark's point is, is that as the storm strengthens, so does God's resolve to stay close by our side. It's not that everything is just going to get quiet and everything is going to clear up and everything will be fine because you're living with a diagnosis or you wake up that next morning and the bed is empty beside you that's been full, been filled for the last 60 years. Those times are not easy. They're difficult. And we want to have this rock solid faith that never questions, that never asks. But here's the amazing thing. It's those moments, I think, that are building our faith. Because my guess is there are some things that you have gone through in your life that prepared you for what would come next. There are some difficult times that you faced early on that you couldn't imagine at that point making it through, but you did. You got to see the other side. And what those moments did was it didn't decrease our faith, it built our faith up. Saying, God, we saw you at work in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the difficult times, and now we believe even more. It solidifies our faith because as the storm strengthens, so does God's resolve to stay by our side. You see, they took him in the boat just as he was. I I, I love how Mark includes that detail. Just, Just so you know, we took him just as he was. But the problem was they still couldn't see him as he was. All right, you remember how Mark starts the gospel? 1-1. One, one. This is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And if you'll notice something, through all the stories that we've looked at so far, not one single person says this is the Messiah. They see him, but they don't see him. right? They they know he's there. They know he's doing incredible things, but they don't really see who he is. And we've said this over and over. I've said this probably way too many times, but, but I want to say it again because I think it's so important for you to understand that God will take you to places that you have not chosen to go in order to produce in you what you're incapable of achieving on your own. The Bible calls that grace. God will take you into the storm. He takes these disciples into the storm. And he is producing something in them that they're incapable of achieving on their own. They cannot grow their faith in the comfort of their own home. They grow their faith out in the storm. It's these storms that are faith builders. Then there's another story that follows right on the heels of this one. And it's a kind of a longer story. It's in Mark chapter 5. I want to kind of tell the first part of it. But there's a man who lives in the garrisons, and he has been possessed by demons, and he lives among the tombs. And when Jesus goes to the other side, he encounters this man. And the demons within this man come and beg Jesus to have mercy. There's this man who has an impure spirit. That's what Mark calls it. This impure spirit. And he sends the the demons beg to go into these pigs. right? And, And if you've heard this story, the demons go into the pigs. They run down the hill, off a cliff and into the water where they drowned. But there's this moment in this story where Jesus says, what is your name? What what is his name? His name, the the demon's name is Legion, which is an army term. And it's this huge force, right? Hundreds. There's there's many demons. Demons. And like I said, there's the the two levels that this story occurs on. There's the at-face-value level of the story, where there's this man who's been possessed by phantom invaders, who is completely stripped of his dignity, giving him superhuman strength that was only used to destroy him, leaving his life a wreck. It was evil doing its worst to him. It would be like someone in our day and age having all kinds of power, all kinds of wealth, all kinds of knowledge, and only using those things to destroy themselves. No, no, hard to imagine. Having all kinds of power, all kinds of wealth, all kinds of knowledge... And the only thing it's doing is being this destructive force. And these demons, these impure spirits wreak havoc on his life. And it's only when those demons are eradicated that this man finds freedom. But the reason I want to tell you the first part is because I really want to read the second part of the story the rest of the story, how it ends. Because we're asking that question, who is Jesus? And so you've heard the demons, but here's the thing, you've heard the demons with their answer before in Mark. You've heard their response. What does the man say? What do the people who know the man say? How do they answer this question, who is Jesus? So I'm going to start in verse 14, I think, 15 will show up on here. Um, Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town people in the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons. Sitting there dressed and in his right mind, they were afraid. Those who had seen seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged him to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has shown and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. And so you have these people, again, seeing Jesus. You you have the man who was demon-possessed who now sees Jesus as his healer. And, And Jesus, Mark wants you to see Jesus as a healer. We'll talk about that a little next week. He wants you to see Jesus as a healer but not just of just sickness, something deeper. They see Jesus and they are amazed at Him. Again, this is not, oh, this is Messiah, but they're amazed. They're afraid. They're not sure what to make. Now, We said there is this second level that's happening in these stories. There's below the surface. And there is this critique of the Roman Empire and a foreshadowing of what will happen to empires. Specifically in this story, Rome. Because the land they're in is unclean. This is not Jewish land. The animals that have the pigs are unclean. The man lives among the tombs. It's unclean. Everything about the story is unclean. And one of Mark's priorities is helping you to see Jesus cleansing and making things clean. Right? He's cleansing and making clean. And you have the most powerful monster of all, Rome, who is doing its worst in the world. What's eventually going to happen To Rome, just like the pigs, will be cast into the sea. With that spirit, they will find their end. And the kingdom of God will stand over and above it all. And on the throne will be King Jesus. Now here's the thing. The disciples don't see this. They don't grasp it yet. They don't understand. They're starting to see, but they haven't had that moment yet where their eyes are open. I think they're questioning. They're wondering. But Mark starts with, this is the Messiah, and no one else says it. Again, until a little bit later in Mark's story. Their eyes are starting to open. But they haven't had that moment yet. This is a story of a man named Gene. Gene, at age 15, was diagnosed with a disease. And he lost his eyesight. And because he lost his eyesight and could not see, He began dating his wife, not ever knowing what she looked like. But they were married, and they had a kid. And they were never able to see until a company in Canada invented these goggles, these glasses, that allowed Gene to see. And this was the very first time that he had ever seen his wife Joy. And their little son. And his response when he sees her for the very first time is, oh my goodness, you are beautiful. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. That moment is coming for the disciples. It is. But it's not going to be all that they imagined it would be. And here's the thing, that moment is coming for you and I too. There's going to be this day when we fully and finally see Jesus as he is and we understand who he is. They just catch a glimpse and they're afraid because you have this foreshadowing, you have these stories that's being told about Jesus and now the, the story underneath the story is really Mark on the stand. We, we have the disciples in the boat on the stand. Here's what we saw in the, the, the boat. You have this demon possessed man and all the people that saw him. Here's what we saw. Here's what we thought of Jesus. Here, here's what we were thinking. But these stories back to back tell a much bigger story. And I can't help but hear the words of Jesus, those questions. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Because for now the storm has subsided. The waters have calmed, the lightning has left, and light is coming up. But there's another storm on the horizon, a bigger storm. And there's thunder picking up in the temple. The wind is picking up in the synagogues. The waters are getting choppy in the temple courts. The anger of the religious leaders is rising. People in positions of power are plotting. They capture Jesus and put him on trial. They sentence him to death. Where is Jesus? Jesus is slumped over on a cross. Can you still hear his voice? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And then, in an instant, peace, be still. Because on the third day, the storm is stilled and the tomb is empty. And the disciples and the women are once again afraid, and they're asking this question, who is this? Right? How profound a question that these disciples ask in this moment. Who is this? Who is this Jesus that we're confronted with? Who is this Jesus that we see? And where is Rome? Where is Rome in this day when the the tomb is empty? Rome is being thrown into the abyss back from where the monster came from in the first place. And now, Jesus is on the throne. You see, they asked this question because they were terrified. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey Him. Who is this? See, that's a question that you're forced to answer in this book of Mark. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, remember, there's these threads, these seams that run throughout all of these stories of faith and fear, of desperation, of death. And we're asking the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And Mark answers without answering, well, he's Messiah again. Who is Jesus? He's the one who's confronting evil. Who is Jesus? The one vanquishing evil with love. Who is Jesus? The one cleansing all that is unclean. Who is Jesus? The one whom all of creation Submits to his will. Now listen, listen. In Mark, you've seen demons bow their knee. You've seen disaster. Is Mother Nature unleashes its fury on the disciples? Listen to his voice. You see disease cast out. You see death tremble at his voice. Listen, everything in all of creation has submitted to the voice of Jesus. The only ones that are left who have not fully done so is you and I. The only ones in all of creation, death, demons, disaster, all bow their knee. And then there's us. thinking once again we have control. Thinking once again we call the shots and yet reminded once again that we're in control of nothing. So I just want to ask whether you have given your life to Jesus, or whether you have not done so. What in your life have you not submitted to the will and the rule of King Jesus? What what are you still holding back? What are you still trying to control? What are you still thinking that you have the power to do? Maybe this morning, just hearing the voice of Jesus. And all of us together, bowing before the King. I wonder, I wonder what kind of difference it would make in our world. If the people who claim to follow Jesus fully and finally submitted everything to him and just said, God, I I realize this last year, if nothing else, this last year has made us realize just how little control we do have. God, I'm just going to give it to you. See, and here's here's the beauty, and he's given us this beautiful moment where we're baptized where we go into the water, this old person who had control of everything, and we just simply die in the water, releasing it, and coming up as a new person, as a part of God's new world. And are things going to get easy from there on? No. But those storms, as they come, remind us that God is still close by our side. See, some of you have never, and if you're online, you've never made that decision. Like, today is the day. If you have to just call someone, put online, we'll, we'll come up here, we'll meet you, we'll do whatever. But you need to make a decision to follow Jesus. And maybe you have, you're you sitting here and you haven't done that either. Man, what a beautiful day to do that. To be buried and raised again, to begin life With your sins washed away as you begin life new. What an incredible day to do that. But here's the thing. My guess is there's a lot more people that are living their life with one foot in and one foot out. With a lot of things that they've submitted but then there's some things that they're still holding back. Today Today, let's, let's just give it all to God, and let's see what He will do with just a little faith from us. Father, today, God, we pray for Your presence in this place. Father, as the storm still rages in our world. Our only hope is you. Father, as the storm waters rage, as things look difficult, and Father, just remind us of how little control we have. Father, today, we submit to you. We give you all that we have. And Father, we pray for you to build our faith as you lead us into those places, lead us through those places that we've never wanted to go in order to produce in us those things that we are incapable of achieving on our own. Father, come now with your spirit. Invade us, change us. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.